Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we believe that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball. Hi, this is Jared Jewett. And this week, we're going to talk about why no one is reading your blog. You're making faces at me. Are you a little offended that I said no one was reading your blog? No, I think we just want to get down to brass tacks as to why small business owners in particular aren't seeing the kind of traffic results that they were even three or four months ago. Um, And there's a number of symptoms, and let's explore those. Absolutely. So, you know... Everybody assumes that they're going to share their one little magic piece of content and millions of people are going to be the path to their door. But the problem is that there's a lot of people writing a lot of content every single day. So how do you start figuring out, if you're working hard and you're creating content for your blog, how do you start figuring out what to write about and why no one's coming? Sure. I think the most important thing to do is really diagnose all the problems that you have instead of just, you know, going to find something that might not be wrong. So one of the things we were talking about is that your topics might not be interesting at all. Okay, I'm really sorry that you might be feeling a little offended right about now, but here's the thing. If you're pounding your chest and you're talking about how great you are in each and every blog, ho-hum, I don't care. Right. No one cares, especially if you're not seeing the traffic that you were used to before. Uh, so the thing, one of the most important things you can do is actually go back to some of your archive posts, some of your legacy posts, and, and look at your metrics, figure out which ones did the best, and then again, you know, diagnose the problem, uh, figure out what was right with those, and figure out what is wrong with your new posts. Are they not on the same topics? You can, If you want to fix the problem, you can take a spin on those old topics, bring them up to kind of the modern era, and roll with those and, and see what kind of results you get. You know, one of the other things that you can do if you're trying to figure out, and particularly if you're just starting out, so maybe you haven't had a lot of history on your blog and you're looking for some information, um, think about the questions that people are asking you. Think about what kind of things you tell people every day. Because here's the deal. If one person is asking you, five people had that question at 11 o'clock last night and didn't know who to ask. Yeah, your customer service inquiries are a treasure trove of topics for you to write about. I, I, Lorraine's completely right. There are more than five people. There's 10 people. There's 100 people who have the same problem. And that's why they come to you in the first place, really, is to make sure that your product works in, or service works in the way that they expect it to work. And when it doesn't, you need to be telling them why it doesn't and how you can fix it. And people come with, with questions. They're trying to decide what kind of floor they should be putting in their house. And one of the most popular blog posts that we wrote for a flooring company was, what's the difference between engineered and vinyl laminate floors? Honestly, I had no idea. But it seems that there are lots and lots of people every single day who want to know the answer to that question. And now when they do, they find our customer. So what are the questions that people are using when they're kind of in the market for a product like yours? Right. And if you're not exploring that, and again, you're just broadcasting the ideas you think are important, you're probably not going down the right path. You know, this really ties into kind of the change, the changes that Google have made, has made. You know, in the not too distant past, it was all about 
making sure your blog post contained two or three keywords. But that's not how search engines are working anymore. You just did a really interesting blog post on the whole Hummingbird update. Why don't you talk a little bit about kind of semantic search and Hummingbird and how that really affects blogging. All right, so with every Google update, they want to get closer and closer to what they've been telling people the whole time. They want your content to be interesting, relevant, and authoritative, right? If you're an authority in your industry, or at least even if you think you are, right? <laughs> so uh, what Hummingbird has done, instead of worrying about cleaning up keywords, it's sort of put keywords a little bit to the wayside. It's really more about uh, what how people are searching. So more and more nowadays, people are using their mobile phone, using the microphone within their phone to just ask a simple question. So instead of uh, traditional queries, like uh, the, the example I used was local pet adoption, people don't search like that really anymore, especially not on the fly. Nowadays, people whip out their phone and say, where can I go to adopt a pet? So Hummingbird is, is much more about taking all the different pieces of that question and uh, delivering a SERP uh, that, that land you that lands you right where you need to be on that topic. So when you're thinking about creating content, if you want to be visible on the fly, on mobile, in response to a Siri search, which by the way I should mention that Siri doesn't understand me 90% mm -hmm. of the time, but in the off chance that she understands you, you need to be adding natural language. Yes to your titles, you need to use natural language in your blog posts, you need to use natural language in the meta descriptions that you assign to your posts. Absolutely. In fact, one of the side effects of Hummingbird is, uh, again, with it kind of uh, getting away from the exact match keywords, is that long tail, you know, the search phrases that you are trying to plug in and trying to get those high quality hits on by just, you know, rearranging the same five or six words, uh, th that doesn't work anymore. It, ju it just doesn't. So let's talk a little bit about long tail search. What that is, everybody kind of knows what a bell curve looks like. Yeah. The long tail are those little ends at the very kind of far end. 90% of people are looking for carpet in Indianapolis. Yeah. But there's like 5% of the people out there that are really looking for a beige frise carpet by Shaw. Mm, yeah. By creating a blog post that specifically talks just about beige, frise, carpet by Shaw, 95% of the people who are looking for carpet won't find you. Absolutely. But the 5% who really want that carpet are going to do that. And so what Google is trying to do with Hummingbird is really help people find faster what they're really looking for. Yeah, no question. So those long tail keywords really can work if people are looking for them, right? And, and you're reaching out to those people, you're creating the content to help them. But what Hummingbird is also doing is making it so now you can't kind of game the system with those long tail keywords. It's making all of your content more relevant to contextual uh, clues within the questions that people are asking on mobile in particular. So two things to keep in mind. One, you need to be writing on a variety of topics. Um, you need to drill down. You need to get away from kind of the broad categories and really focus individual blog posts on what you're doing in Indianapolis and what you're doing in Carmel and what you're doing with wood or carpet or cats or dogs or whatever your, your topic is. So you need to get very niche and have lots of content on related topics. And you need to go longer. You know, Google doesn't want to see three, 400-word posts anymore. Right. 
Yeah, we want to be around uh, 500, 700, uh, especially if we're drilling down into those more niche uh, queries. I mean, one of the most valuable things you can do is if you have a customer service team or if the customer service team is you, keep a list somewhere. Keep an Excel spreadsheet of all the questions people are asking you, and most of the time you'll be able to mine that for those uh, those keywords that you want to write on, or m more importantly, the topics that you want to write. Absolutely, and the other side of that is if you're sending emails, if somebody asks you a question and you're answering it in an email, copy and post that email into a blog draft because that answer is going to be relevant to a broader audience. Right. Uh, people often ask why does Google care about the content and it's very simple. Google's in the business of selling advertising. They know, however, that if they don't produce good organic results when you go to their search engine, you'll start using another search engine and they won't sell ads. Right. It's really interesting, actually, the way that Google's uh, main user interfaces has changed. Uh, now more and more of the space, the, the real estate has been taken up by those ads. But if they're not serving the ads to the right searches, uh, then, then what's the point for them? So, so the Hummingbird is really a way for them to get closer and closer to what people are actually searching for, and that makes it more profitable. Okay, but let's back up now, because this blog post isn't just about writing for search. It is also just, how do you get people to read? And there are a lot of other ways that you can introduce people to your blog posts. You can share them on social platforms, you can use email marketing. How about some tips for if you're gonna share blog content on Twitter or Facebook? Some protocols people should follow. All right, so let's start by discussing what you need to do, for instance, on Facebook, right? Uh, we know, just, just through practice, that if you share a picture, people are gonna see it. It takes up a ton of real estate in the timeline, uh, but you need to make sure you have interesting copy that goes along and really sells what your blog post is about. If you're not doing that, uh, that's probably a big reason why people aren't actually being led to your, your content. And now with the new Facebook paper app, those pictures are becoming even more important. As I'm playing with that tool and I'm looking at my timeline, anything with a picture hits the top third of my page. Anything that's just text is sort of scooting along in the bottom. Yeah. So an interesting blog post with a great photo, put the photo in the timeline, and then a link to the blog post. So let's talk about Twitter for a second. Are, are you doing, as a small business owner, your research on what people are talking about around your product? Uh, one of the best places to look is just in the, in the Twitter search bar. Look for a hashtags with keywords that are relevant to the piece of content that you've created, right? And so if you can get into the conversation that way, pull a really, really interesting little bit of your post, use it as your tweet, and then hashtag it with, to put it within that interesting conversation, then you're doing, doing your job right. So, you know, let's, let's kind of break that down. If I've got, um, uh, we have a friend who's uh, uh, Dr. Greg, uh, Indianapolis Vets. He's mm -hmm. the official vet of Brown Peck. Yeah. And um, he does a great job on Twitter. And he will talk about a particular virus or a particular something that's going on with pets. And he will tag it in a way that other people who are looking for that can find him. So if you've got an animal, you're going to find Dr. Greg. If you're another vet, you're going to find him too. And you can see what he's talking about, how he's sharing his info, and then you can share yours in a similar style. Yeah, that's a great point. 
you really need to be also looking at what your competitors are doing in the social spheres and just on their blogs, uh, wh what blogs are getting the most uh, comments, mm -hmm. uh, what kind of topics they're talking about, and, and how you can kind of graph that into your products and services. You know, one of the things, and I know this works on other products, I'm more familiar with how it works in Twitter, mm -hmm. um, but if you find interesting content somewhere else, don't just lift the interesting content, but if you find some interesting information on a blog, and you want to kind of comment on it or expand on it, make sure that you set up a trackback to the original blog. Mm -hmm. That way that author knows you're talking about them. It increases the chances that that author is going to share a link to your blog post. It increases the chances that that author is going to mention you in their status updates. Um, I think people forget a lot that what makes social media work is that community. Right. Having that reciprocal relationship, I mean, is just another one of the, the not quick and easy avenues, but definitely one of the most powerful tools you have in, in your toolkit to, to get your blog seen. And I mean, that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. And, you know, you were talking about Facebook and Twitter. If you're in the business to business community, do not forget about LinkedIn. We've been um, doing a lot of research lately comparing our interactions on LinkedIn and on Facebook and Twitter and I'm going to tell you for business to business communication when we're promoting a seminar when we have a specific download we get better response from LinkedIn than the other communities and LinkedIn is really the place to build your authority I mean people see you sharing your awesome awesome high quality content on LinkedIn uh, they trust you they really do they think they will think that you're a leader in your industry that, uh, that you know what you're talking about. Also, it is a wonderful way to get introduced to a wider community. I've seen a lot of our posts, both from my personal and from the LinkedIn company page, and that's important. I share from both because I've got a, I have an enormous community on LinkedIn that is connected to me. I'm trying to grow the round peg community, but I share content from both and I can see who interacted, how they interacted, did they share or comment and expand? And um, while we're on the subject of social networks, you cannot ignore, you got to do G+. Yeah, there, there's no question. There's no reason for you not to be on Google+. It's easy. Uh, it's, it's really easy to navigate. You can make a website in a couple minutes, um, and you your websites will get indexed. And that is the real key thing with, with G+. It's not a social community. People are not really talking and sharing and interacting. But Google is using the information that people are putting on Google Plus to enhance search results. So if you're writing a blog post, this is not um, a if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. They ain't coming. Mm -hmm. People got to know. So you need to be, number one, creating interesting content filled with relevant keywords and good content around the keywords you got to be sharing it on all the social platforms mm -hmm. you've got to be joining those discussions yeah you have to be there you have to be present if and if you're not no one is going to be reading your blog now of course this does make the assumption that you're writing good content mm -hmm. um, if you're not we can help with that if you are interested in learning more about developing content, feel free to download our content calendar. You'll find a link 
in the blog post on More Than A Few Words or in the iTunes download. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.